T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's time to talk politics. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back to Hardline. Uh, we were off last week. Uh, more on that in a moment, but let me tell you what's coming up in an hour, and then I'll tell you who we have here. Uh, in an hour, I'll be joined by my colleague from the Erie County Legislature, the chairman of the Erie County Legislature, Peter Savage. He's going to be my guest co-host for half the show. We're going to be talking to Richard Lipsitz. Uh, Richard is the president of the Western New York Area Labor Federation. Of course, they were stung recently by a Supreme Court decision. We're going to talk about that and a whole host of other labor issues. Again, that'll be during the 11 o'clock hour. This hour, however, is going to be a special edition of that recurring segment we call The Doctors. Uh, got in studio with me Dr. Timothy Callan, Dr. Brian Polliner. And we're joined by not a Ph.D. doctor, but a J.D. doctor, a lawyer, uh, Bob Klump. Uh, Bob is uh, a pre-law advisor at Canisius College. He also teaches some courses there. Uh, he's also a member, correct me if I'm wrong, of the Federalist Society, which we'll have more to say about that in a moment. But before that, let me uh, let me uh, tell you why I wasn't here last week. Uh, my wife and I took my granddaughter down to New York City. My son, Jeremy, uh, who works uh, in TV down there, got her Broadway tickets to her favorite musical, Dear Evan Hansen, took her to that. He also surprised us by getting us tickets to a show I wanted to see, which was Come From Away. And I got to tell you, if you haven't heard about this musical, you got to see it. I saw Hamilton on Broadway last October. I, uh, prior to this, my favorite musical was Evita, which I saw like 30-some years ago. This is now my favorite musical. It's about 9-11. It's actually, if you can believe it, it's a feel-good story about 9-11. On 9-11, you might recall, U.S. airspace was closed, so they diverted all these international flights to Canada, to Gander, big air base there. And the uh, the there were 38 planes. There were 7,000 visitors descending on this town of Gander, 9,000 residents. And they took care of them for five days. And the relationships, it, it is just a great, great musical. If you get a chance, uh, uh, certainly go see it. I'm hoping it comes to Shays eventually. Come From Away is the name of the, the show. Uh, and it was kind of nice because it was a feel-good story about our relationship with Canada. Now that we're at war with Canada, you know, <laughs> we had this trade war going on. It was nice to remember the good old days when we were actually friends and they did nice things for us and we reciprocated and things like that. Now, uh, there's another confession that we need coming up, and that's uh, Dr. Brian Polliner. The last time we were here, we replaced you with Dr. Jill O'Malley, who I want to tell you did great. But you couldn't make it that weekend. Where were you? Well, first of all, I appreciate you uh, asking me to come back. Uh, I was up actually in the Onirondacks at a... Uh as you call it, a dude ranch. Uh, I was, I was, I hung up my, I hung up my, my Brooks brother shirt and put away my, my Florsheim shoes and exchanged it for flannel and, and, and cowboy boots. And I have a new appreciation for horses because there, there, there's a creature that works very, very hard for basically room and board and a couple of apples. Enough, enough said, enough said. That's all us. Want to, want to turn to, uh, we'll get to Dr. Tim Callen eventually, but, uh, but Bob Klump, who we invited in here special today because of 
the uh, the uh, pending uh, nomination tomorrow by President Trump of a a associate justice to replace the retiring Anthony Kennedy. Bob, you're a member, as I said, of the Federalist Society. For for our listeners who who aren't familiar with the Federalist Society, what is the Federalist Society? And and I mean, really, I mean, they're really important right now, aren't they? Well, the Federalist. Are you? <laughs> Decidedly. Uh, <laughs> The Federalist Society is an organization founded about 30 years ago uh, that consists of lawyers and judges of a conservative and libertarian bent. Um, it's a 501c3. It doesn't take official positions. It doesn't endorse candidates. But what it basically facilitates uh, is a discussion among like-minded individuals about issues pertaining to the federal judiciary, it's fair to say that its members tend to be advocates of judicial restraint and preserving the proper role. It, it was of the it was very lonely being a member of the Federalist Society during the Obama administration, was it not? Uh, actually, not because uh, there's there's more uh, grist for the mill, so to speak. Uh, so, uh, it but was, but the the word was that once Trump got elected, that a lot of the uh, the the positions in the judiciary were screened by members of the Federalist Society, such as yourself. Can you confirm that? Well, I haven't done any screening. I can I can assure you of that. But it's certainly true that the candidates who are in line for the current position were all individuals who have been supported by individual members of the Federalist Society. Again. The society doesn't endorse particular candidates. Let's 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 go around the table, starting with you, Bob. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, what were your immediate thoughts upon hearing that Anthony Kennedy was retiring? Well, my immediate thought was that there was going to be uh, a Donnybrook over uh, over his replacement because Kennedy was perceived somewhat accurately as the swing vote uh, on the court. Although the reality is. As uh, 538 uh, indicated recently, generally he sided with conservatives, mm-hmm. but he was heterodox on really controversial issues. He was like, the swing vote. Right, on things like same-sex marriage and the yeah. like. Sandra so, Day O'Connor used to have that, that position. Then, then, Correct. You know, Kennedy became the swing when she retired. Correct. Um, Tim, uh, Tim Callan, Dr. Tim Callan, if we were, uh, if we as a nation were polarized, our politics were polarized, before Anthony Kennedy announced his retirement, what do you think is going to happen now? Uh, I mean, I think I think that not just at the federal level with the president and Congress are we polarized, but uh, the New York Times had an article uh, two days ago, three days ago on July 5th, entitled "Political Polarization Takes Hold of the Supreme Court." And the article went through in detail, as did Nita Totenberg over at NPR, uh, their Supreme Court uh, reporter. Uh, a lengthy discussion on how both uh, at the end of this term we had a string of very charged five to four decisions uh, with Justice Kennedy joining with the majority uh, in a number, but um, how the tribal politics that seems to plague relationships uh, at the national level between Congress and the president and increasingly at at some other areas as well seems to have taken hold at the Supreme Court also. And as a result, this nomination process uh, is likely to play out as well. It, it, it's going to be very bloody. I mean, I mean, you know, we've got people who are mad at everybody else about everything uh, on on both sides of the political spectrum. It's only going to get worse. Brian, Brian uh, Polliner, yes, yes. And I, you know, my what came to mind for me is the consequences of elections, and and so I, I think that uh, depending on how you view the consequence, mm-hmm. you know, will will be determined by 
who you supported in the election. And, and, and so this is, should be a wake-up call and a calling card for everyone to, to get involved in, in the process. Uh, certainly, because there's a lot at stake here. I mean, this, this, this is what – I mean, this is – Brian, let me go back to you. This is what a lot of uh, Republicans, who were not necessarily you know, uh, Trump um, aficionados – um, you know, the reason they came around and begrudgingly voted for him uh, in 2016. They said, I really don't like the guy. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like his tone. But what about the judges? Well, this is the ultimate. What about the judge? Without a doubt, this, this is the brass ring. Uh, this, is, this is why we get, we get engaged. Yeah. Uh, we're going to break now. When we come back, we'll have another segment. Eventually, we'll get around to taking phone calls on everything Supreme Court. I want to, in the next segment, I want to talk about the confirmation process. I want to get around to uh, this uh, important uh, Supreme Court precedents, which may or may not be overturned. The big one, of course, being Roe versus Wade. But eventually, we'll get to that, and we'll take your calls, 803-0930, the number to call. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Here's Sandy Beach, weekdays, 9 till noon, News Radio 930 AM, WBEN. Oh, beautiful, uh, beautiful Joe Beamer, aspiring talk show host. He was filling in for Sandy this week. Did a great job. I had a laugh out loud moment when, uh, when he said, uh, the next hour is going to be great. He said it'd be more entertaining than any Mets game. Uh, remember Mets fans, we, we will always have the first half of April, right, Joe? Well, I like to set the standard low, unlike the yeah, Mets. That, there you go. Okay, enough of, enough of that. No more Mets talks. Uh, we're, we, we don't want this to be too depressing. Listen, if you're just tuning in, we, uh, we're doing a uh, extended doctor's segment on the Supreme Court uh, nomination coming up. Uh, we've got uh, Dr. Uh, Brian Polliner, Dr. Timothy Callen, both PhDs, and a JD with us. Uh, and a member of the Federalist Society, Dr. Robert Klump. Uh, he of uh, the uh, Canisius College uh, Pre-Law Center, Reichley Pre-Law Center. Bob, let me turn to you. What, what do we know about these candidates? There's a short list. Uh, what is what is Trump going to say tomorrow night? Who, who is he? Who's going to be taking their talents to the Supreme Court? Well, it's it's widely assumed right now that there are three individuals in contention, and maybe four. There's Amy Barrett, who's a graduate of uh, Notre Dame. She clerked for Justice Scalia. She's and, been... and we may have some Canisius political science alums who took courses yes, from her. Yes, yeah, we've had a number of uh, recent Canisius graduates of Notre Dame, um, so we may get some inside information. She, she's drawing her. flag for being a Catholic. She's drawing flag for being a Catholic, and particularly for being a member of something called the People of Praise, which is kind of a Catholic evangelical group. Uh, and she came under attack by Senator Feinstein during her confirmation hearings just for, a year ago. For taking ago. her religious religion seriously. Right, exactly. Uh, when she was nominated to the Seventh Circuit. She's had the shortest judicial tenure. The other two leading candidates, Brett Kavanaugh, has been on the D.C. Circuit for 10 years. Uh, he's a graduate of Yale Law School. And uh, Raymond Kethledge is a graduate of the University of Michigan Law School, not an Ivy, but a top mm-hmm. law school as well. And he's been on the Sixth Circuit. Those are assumed to be the three leading candidates. And then a fourth who is mentioned is uh, Thomas Hardiman, who is a judge on the Third Circuit from Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh area, and uh, is actually good friends with the president's sister, Marion Trump Barry, who is herself a judge on the Third Circuit. Tim, Tim Callen, Dr. Tim Callen, uh, you of, of the people in this room to, to, this morning uh, lean furthest to the left. Um, are any of them acceptable to you, or what, what are you hoping for? So um, 
I can't say based on my political persuasion that any of those four candidates would be nominated or supported by myself. What I thought was interesting was Mitch McConnell is now signaling, the Senate Majority Leader who's running this process, or I should say is taking his cues from Mr. Leo of the Federalist Society, the Executive Vice President of the Federalist Society, who's running the nomination process apparently as he did last year for Justice Gorsuch. Senator McConnell was indicating to people over the weekend that Judge Hardiman, who isn't seen as one of the three top candidates, but sort of on the second tier, and who was in the mix last year when Gorsuch got the nod, that Hardiman might be the candidate that the White House ultimately goes with, not because Judge Hardiman is the candidate they necessarily want, but because Hardiman might be the easiest to get confirmed. Tim, talk to me about the confirmation. It's going to get bloody. The Republicans obviously are going to try to get it through by the first Monday in October so that the new term could start with a new Supreme Court justice leaning to the right. Democrats are going to oppose it, but aren't there some Democrats, you know, we were talking during the break, Manchin from West Virginia, who's going to be walking on eggshells. And some Republicans like Collins, who may have some difficulty with it. Collins, Senator Collins, Susan Collins. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you've got three Democratic senators, Heidi Heitkamp from North Dakota, Joe Donnelly from Indiana, or Joe Donnelly? Senator Donnelly from Indiana, and then Joe Manchin, Senator from West Virginia, who are in red states that Trump won. And they're up for election this year. They're up for re-election. They're being targeted by the president. The president has repeatedly signaled that he's going to work with Republicans in Congress and the Republican Party to try and take out those Democrats. So they're in bad positions, as Politico has reported, in perhaps because two of them voted for Justice Gorsuch, that they're going to be facing pressure to vote for one of these candidates. Dr. Brian Polliner, it's going to be bloody, but in the end, don't you think Trump is going to get whoever he wants? I believe so, without a doubt. I think that, you know, the process in the Senate is on his side, and I think he has four very good candidates that should, you know, should serve the conservative viewpoint very well. Got a couple minutes before the break, so I probably shouldn't get into upcoming possible decisions in the next term or two terms, but I'm going to anyway, and we can continue the discussion after the break. Bob, of course, the focus has been on Roe versus Wade, and the assumption is that Roe versus Wade was, what, 1973, was it? That after all these years, there was talk in 1992, I think it was, with the Casey case, Casey in Pennsylvania and Planned Parenthood, that the Supreme Court, a much more conservative Supreme Court, might overturn Roe versus Wade then with some Reagan justices, a Bush justice, but it didn't happen. But it, you know, a lot of people are saying it's 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 going to happen. I mean, is it inevitable that Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned? Well, first of all, what's what's ironic here is that the 1992 decision to which you referred, Planned Parenthood versus, versus Casey, Casey, essentially emasculated a lot of the foundation of Roe versus Wade. Uh, in fact, one of the dissenting justices uh, in Planned Parenthood referred to. Uh, Roe versus Wade is a Potemkin village mm-hmm. after how the court moderated uh, its restrictions uh, on abortion in Roe versus Wade. Uh, 
I think it's extremely unlikely that anything is going to lead to the absolute reversal of Roe versus Wade. But what's happened beginning in Planned Parenthood is that the court has allowed greater and greater restrictions on the abortion on process. Abortion. Like, I mean, Casey was uh, parental consent. It was a 24-hour waiting period. It was the notification. You had to be notified what uh, what stage the fetus Correct. was. What uh, and, and alternatives. You know, you well, you you can adopt. You can. Uh, there are these uh, yeah. agencies and, available to aid you and, if you decide to go through with the pregnancy. And since then, the court has, of course, approved one major additional restriction on partial birth abortion. Partial birth in Stenberg versus Carhartt. So. Uh, I would expect that to continue. I wouldn't expect Roe versus Wade to be overturned. It, it, it should be noted, if Roe versus Wade were to be overturned, it wouldn't be a case where abortion would be illegal. It would just be states could outlaw it. Some states would. New York, it probably wouldn't, wouldn't change, change a thing. At all. If right. Roe versus Wade were struck down tomorrow, New York situation would still be the same. Other states, um, yeah, it would be bad. Listen, we have to take a quick break. Uh, Alan Harris is standing by with the news, uh, some some breaking news uh, out of Thailand today. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk more about this Roe versus Wade and other decisions pending, uh, and we'll take your calls at 8030930. In the meantime, I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Dear George Norrie, overnights 1 till 5. News Radio 930 AM WBEN. And welcome back to the program. Kevin Hardwick saying here with uh, with my doctors, uh, Ryan Polliner, Tim Kellen, and a JD, a lawyer, Bob Plump. Uh, we'll get back to talking about uh, all things uh, Supreme Court, including Roe versus Wade, in a moment. But now we take a break. We go to uh, beautiful uh, city of Tonawanda, Niawanda Park, and the banks of the Niagara, and we call in my good friend uh, Bob Gregg. Bob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kevin. How are you today? Good. What's happening there? Well, we got our 15th annual Art on the River Walk. Uh, just one beautiful day here on the river across from uh, Mississippi Muds. We've got like 30 uh, fine artists here and uh, uh, watching the crowd come in on this edit. And, and, and this is free, right? It's not a, I don't have to pay to get into this art show, do I? Uh, no, no, it's That's free. You can per- uh, just walk down and, uh, and uh, perfect price. So, yep. so when I get when I get done with a taste of buffalo, I go to the city of Tonawanda, Niawanda Park, which is beautiful any day. And now you got all this beautiful art across the street. You got Mississippi Muds down the down the street. You got Old Man River, which uh, full disclosure here, my son uh, works at the Old Man River. Uh, and then tonight, tonight there's a uh, a concert there. The BPO is giving a concert at seven o'clock. Uh, courtesy of uh, Robin Schiminger. My assemblyman was able to find money in the state budget to get us a concert. Free concert, BPO, Niawanda Park tonight at 7. And then, then we've got this garden walk coming up in the city of Tonawanda, yes? Right. right. When, when's that? Yeah, uh, July 13th uh, and 14th. Uh, it's the uh, night lights on Friday night from 9, p- 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. We've got like 16 gardens that get uh, uh, lit up and uh, and Saturday from ten to four, all the rest of the gardens we got like uh, thirty five. Ex- excellent, but but today the uh, the uh, river walk, uh, art on the river walk goes to what five o'clock? Five o'clock, and then you know grab a bite to eat, and then at, at, at Mississippi Muds, and then to the the concert BPO uh, at seven. Thanks, Bob. Thanks. Uh, look forward to seeing you there later. Okay. 
Um, that was uh, Bob Gregg reporting uh, live from the banks of the Niagara River in Iowa Park. Bob Gregg, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, going way back. Listen, um, before the break, we were talking about Roe versus Wade. Brian, during the break, you said uh, you didn't think it was a given that Roe versus Wade was going to be overturned completely, uh, and you thought there were probably some other more important things that the, this this pick that the president is going to announce tomorrow night is going to impact. Do you want to elaborate on that? Well, I think one of the um, uh, aspects of a conservative um, Supreme Court uh, will be the looking at the role of government and the intrusiveness of, of government. And I think that that beyond the, the Roe uh, v. Wade, I, I think most conservatives would be very uh, pleased with how the Supreme Court may weigh in on the role of government mm-hmm. in, in such things as patent law and, and uh, uh, prosecution a- action and police action. You, you know, Brian, uh, 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 Bob Klump, Brian says the Supreme Court may weigh in. You know, the, it, it, it seems like we've got this foregone conclusion that everything is going to go in the conservative direction, but there have been surprises in the past with certain Supreme Court justice picks. The one I go back to is Earl Warren. You know, you hear the Warren court, the Warren court, and how liberal it was. You think, well, Warren had to be appointed by FDR. No, it was an Eisenhower pick. Right, and we've had uh, more recent justices who, from a Republican and conservative standpoint, turned out to be very disappointing in that regard, notably David Souter. And uh, for that matter, several of uh, President Nixon's appointees uh, who drifted left. Tim, Tim, you like I have watched many of these confirmation hearings, and you know you go back to like the Clarence Thomas thing, which which took on a life of its own. You remember the Bork uh, confirmation hearing. Um, one of the things, especially post Bork, that Supreme Court justices do not say is anything. I mean, that's they, and and that may be why we get surprised sometimes. I mean, they really don't say anything. They go out of their should, way. Do you to think? Avoid. Do you think they should? Do you think they should be able to say, "Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm uh, uh, pro uh, uh, abortion or anti-abortion, or I'm, I'm uh, for the guns or against the guns, or you know, I mean, let, let us know what your thinking is." Do you think that's a that's a that's a good idea, or do you think that they they should you know not not take any position? I mean, I can remember Clarence Thomas being asked about abortion, and it was like the guy had never heard the word before. You know, he had no idea. Well, I never thought about it. You'd never heard of Anita Hill either. Yeah. Well, no. Let's not go there. <laughs> let's not go there. This is a family show. Um, but do you think uh, does anybody at the table think that uh, you know we should change the the way we do these confirmation hearings and open it up so they can speak about Certainly cases that are out are gonna, there, about issues that are current. Senators are going to continue to ask the questions. Yeah. The nominees are going to continue based on uh, their advisors uh, and, uh, and frankly, the White House advising them not to give out their positions, which then leads you for those candidates that have a judicial mm-hmm. record, uh, like Mr. Kavanaugh, who's got 10 years on the bench. Uh, Ms. Baird has only got about, what, eight, nine mm-hmm. months on the bench. Um, to look at their uh, their judicial rulings yeah. and what they've said there to uh, to try and ferret out where they stand. If if I had my druthers, I'd return to the way it used to be until relatively recently, where nominees didn't even appear before the Senate Judiciary Committee, because they can't under ethical restraints they can't respond to questions in which they're asked to give their political preferences or whether they would overrule Roe versus Wade or anything else. You know, during the break, you were uh, you were talking about uh, uh, changes in the Supreme Court. That it used to be not just judges; that uh, that there were senators, uh, but not not recently. Yeah, I mean, in, in recent history, they've all come up 
to the Supreme Court through federal appellate courts. I mean, you, you don't need to be a lawyer to be a Supreme Court justice. Technically not, but the reality is that uh, they, they've all been lawyers who have been on the court. But, you know, right now you've got everybody from Harvard and Yale and one yeah. from Columbia, Ruth Ginsburg. Let's, uh, I'll tell you what, let's uh, promise we bring in some callers. The number, if you want to talk about anything Supreme Court uh, for the next 15 minutes or so uh, before the top of the hour is 8030930. Let's uh, go first to Tom and Buffalo. Tom, welcome to the program. Thank you for holding. Good morning, doctors. How are we doing? Yeah, we're doing great. Yeah, good. Thank you. Good. Listen, I, w- I want to know the sustainability of a system where only one Republican has won the popular vote in 30 years. Yet they've got those court stacked, and five four decides right from wrong. Seems to me the minority's leading majority of the population, and I don't know how sustainable that is. Well, I'll listen. All right, all right. Thank you, uh, thank you, Tom from Buffalo. Um, One well, person, gen- gentlemen, uh, gentlemen, Tim Kellen's going to agree. Uh, two words, Merrick Garland. I mean, President yeah. Obama uh, nominated Merrick Garland uh, less than a month after Justice Scalia's passing. And in an unprecedented move, the Senate Republicans refused not only to hit Senate Republicans who were in the majority, going back to something Brian Polliner said earlier, elections have consequences. Yes, Brian? Yes. Sure, but but my, my point being, they didn't even they wouldn't even meet with the guy. I you, you know you know what I would uh, I'm as you know I'm Republican. I would tend to agree with you that um, uh, Merrick Garland was was certainly I mean, if they didn't want treated to pretty him, shabbily there. Have a hearing. He should have at least he down. should have at least had a hearing and been voted down. Right. I, I would tend to agree with you there, but you know, uh, I'm not a United States senator. Uh, don't play one on TV. And then, and then the Republicans this year did away with the 60 vote filibuster rule for Supreme, or last year for Supreme Court. And, uh, and, and, you know, that whole getting rid of the filibuster started with the Democrats doing it when they were in power. It's just going to get worse. For, I mean, it's, for not, for you know, hypocrisy is, is, is running rampant and probably always has. Bob, well, your thoughts on this? Responding to what the caller said about, you know, Republicans not winning uh, the popular vote. The reality is, as we already alluded to, is that a number of the Republican appointees, we go back to Roe versus Wade, Warren Berger and Harry Blackman, Harry Blackman who wrote the decision, Republican appointees yeah. uh, led the way on Roe versus Wade. So historically, in recent history, it's been more common for Republican appointees to stray to the left. The Democratic appointees like Ginsburg and, and Kagan and Sotomayor, they hang together uniformly in close cases. Gonna, gonna take one last break before the top of the hour. When we return, we'll take more of your calls. Uh, we've got the doctors here talking everything Supreme Court. The number for you to get on board, 803-0930. 803-0930. In the meantime, I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Okay, welcome back. Kevin Hardwick here sitting with the uh, the doctors for one last segment of them before we go to the top of the hour when we're joined by uh, Erie County Legislator, Ch- Legislature Chairman Peter Savage and Richard Lipsitz, uh, he the president of the Western New York Area Labor Federation. Um, one last segment with Brian Polliner, Tim Callen, Bob Klump. Uh, I said we'd try to squeeze in some calls. Let's go to Tony in Clarence at 803-0930. Tony, welcome to the program. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Uh, um, you may not be aware of it, but Justice Kennedy voted 14, because the last 14 cases he heard, he voted on the conservative side, 14 in a row. Uh, is there any truth to the fact that Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump had 
lunch with him and asked him to resign? I heard that on several stations. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can assure you none of the people, uh, perhaps except for Tim Callen that's sitting at the table, would have, have knowledge of that. But, uh, but that, I've, I've heard that. But Yeah, at the, at the President's State of the Union speech uh, in 2017, shortly after taking office, he was overheard on a hot mic uh, talking with Justice Kennedy uh, about Justice Kennedy's son, Justin, uh, who worked at Deutsche Bank uh, for over 12 years, um, uh, wishing the, the, that uh, Justin well and that uh, Justin had recently um, seen the, the mm-hmm. Trump children. And, uh, and then, of course, what we just saw in the last couple of weeks after Justice uh, Kennedy announced his uh, retirement were these, these uh, revelations about Deutsche Bank and one, over $1 billion in loans to Trump via Justin uh, so, Kennedy. And, you know, whatever that means, I don't know. So, so, so Tony, uh, let me ask you, um, do you think we're, we're in for uh, Armageddon when it comes to this confirmation process? Do you think that we as a nation will survive it? Well, first of all, I'm looking at Roe versus Wade right now. Mm-hmm. And you said, you're correct. Blackman drove the, the, the decision for the court. In that decision, he cited the Ninth Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment were uh, taken away the rights to those amendments from Jane Roe. Uh, we, in this decision, I'm going to talk, uh, ask the person who's nominated about something called stare decisis, which means mm-hmm. if you are you going to uphold the precedents and the, the, the decisions in the past based upon the law? That question can be asked. And do I think they'll be Armageddon? No. I think they'll ask very tough questions and, uh, I think that because of the way the don't don't you think though that this is and and not just within the Senate but don't you think that this is going to uh, this whole conversation when you get into things like uh, Roe versus Wade which may ha- may or may not hang in the balance here that uh, as polarized as we are now it's only it's only going to get worse it's going to get worse before it gets better. Well, no, I say this. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, the rhetoric on on uh, on talk radio, the rhetoric on cable news is is you know, it's it's going to get a it's, it's going to be on steroids. Yeah, but the only of the four people that were uh, that were cited on your program, and by the way, the federalist uh, people, if they put together a list, they're telling the president who's who they like. But their their point is is. The only one of the four that has a paper trail is Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. And he won't be nominated because he was associated with George Bush. Mm-hmm. And they probably I... get, because he has all that yeah. stuff written down. So... The others are, uh, you know, will have less ability to be questioned because they don't have much, many decisions that they have. Tony, Tony, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, brought up some good points. In fact, I'm going to elaborate on one of them right now. Thank you, Tony from Clarence. Bob, uh, Tony mentions uh, a paper trail. I mean, uh, that is that is a good point. You don't want to have any sort of a paper trail, written any decisions. Uh, I mean, isn't that what what cost uh, Judge Bork a, uh, a yeah, position well, on the Supreme Court? He had he, he he was more than willing to let you know how he felt about a lot of things. Well, what you don't want to have in particular is an academic paper trail. And that's one of the things that Barrett is suffering from right now mm-hmm. because they're citing an article she wrote when she was a student at Notre Dame in 
which, taking things out of context, it could be made to look as though she thinks that, you know, venerable decisions like Brown versus Board of Education might not have been properly decided. That's not what mm-hmm. she said, mm-hmm. but that provides a lot of fodder at uh, confirmation hearings. Tim, Tim, do you think this whole uh, nomination process is going to hinge more on what the Republicans uh, do than, than what the Democrats uh, are up to? It, it makes you wonder. Uh, the uh, A lot of the media articles and the pundits have been talking about what this nomination uh, is coming down to between, say, Kavanaugh or Barrett, less so Kethledge uh, or Hardiman, is a, a battle within the Republican Party between the, um, the outside-the-beltway social conservatives um, versus the more establishment and business-oriented wing of the party. The more establishment wing of the party seems to prefer Kavanaugh, as does uh, Don McGahn, the White House counsel to President Trump. Um, and um, uh, outside the Beltway, um, you know, groups, conservative groups, are, are favoring uh, uh, Barrett. Um, and, uh, you know, again, going back to something Nina Totenberg from NPR recently wrote is uh, uh, what was interesting to her, more interesting mm-hmm. to her than the Democrats and what those three uh, Democratic U.S. senators are going to do is uh, watching the Republicans behind the scenes battling, out, uh, fighting larger battles. Yeah within the Republican Party about the future of this country through this nomination. This is kind of like a proxy war. Yes. Brian, uh, uh, Brian Polliner, whoever the president nominates tomorrow night, you'll, you and a lot of Republicans will be happy with and you'll be supporting them? If, if based on the four names that are out there, I, I certainly would, and I believe that uh, uh, many of my colleagues would. Mo- all four of them are originalists, and and you know look at look at the Constitution as as a basis for for their rulings. So yeah, I I think do you, any one of the four. Do you personally have a favorite, or or let me ask you, who would you predict uh, based on what you know, based on what you've heard this year, this morning around the table? Who do you think the president's going to pick tomorrow night? Well, I, we're all throwing I, I, a dollar into this pool. Can we do that? Betting is this sports betting? Yeah, it could be. I well, I don't know. I don't know how the president's gonna gonna you know gonna vote. But uh, if it were up to me, I I think Kethledge from uh, from Michigan would be my choice. All right, uh, Tim Callen, who's uh, who's the president going to pick? I think he's uh, going to go with Kavanaugh, the safe bet. Bob, I would have said Kavanaugh until reading about Mitch McConnell today and. Uh, uh, the the vast extent of the Kavanaugh paper trail, maybe a million or more documents. Uh, so I would say Kethledge is a safer, confirmable choice. Well, well I'm going to go out on a limb and say say Barrett, but I, I also want to go out on a limb and say I don't think the president knows right now who he's <laughs> going to pick. I think it's going to be like The Apprentice. You know, it's going to come down to the boardroom and he's going to, it's going to be a, yeah, tune in. Who knows? Uh, maybe you, he'll have you, all four of them there. And the- All there, yeah, and dismiss them one by one. Wouldn't that be awesome? Listen, I want to I want to thank my guests this morning: Bob Clump, Tim Callen, Brian Polliner. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to twenty percent versus AT and T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.